Doing this on a Saturday again. This is what happens when you go away. Which I'm not really used to, well, I'm not really used to going away and actually doing work. <laughs> like going away and doing talks. So that was kind of all new this week. That was really cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But I am going to kick off with a double shout out to sponsor, which is Verona's this week. Now the double shout out is... They are sponsoring me, as they have done many, many times in the past. I'm pretty sure Veronis is my most prevalent, perhaps longest term as well, sponsor. Uh, so let me do the Veronis bit first, part one, then we'll do part two, which is what I'm wearing at the moment. <laughs> so part one, Veronis, reduce your ransomware blast radius with leader in data first security. Try it free and a good, uh, uh, the good, uh, one mouthful of beer. Again, the nice thing about providing something for free is... Uh, well, you get it for free. <laughs> you can go and try it for free. G'day, everyone who's joining. Neil, George, Richard, g'day. Now, the second part of the Veronis story is I got this Veronis swag. It was waiting for me yesterday when I got home. Now, I get sent a lot of swag from a lot of companies which keeps homeless people on the Gold Coast really well dressed. <laughs> but occasionally, there's something which is actually really nice. And I got this hoodie from Veronis. And there's many things that are very nice about it. First of all, it's one of those ones that's very soft inside. And I just got out of the pool a little while ago, which is why I'm a bit, a bit shabby now. And this was very nice to put on. Secondly, it's subtle. Now, for those of you, even if you're watching this, I was going to say for those of you listening, you can't see this. But if you're watching it, you probably can't see too much. But it says ransomware on the front in a very dark black font on a black hoodie. So you can barely notice it. But the wear is spelled W-E-R. See what they did there? Very clever. And the only Veronis branding is just this little Veronis logo on the left sleeve. So I quite like it because it's not over the top. So this is genuinely one piece of swag that I will keep and I'll keep wearing beyond just doing sponsor shoutouts in my weekly video. So big thanks to Veronis. Go and check them out. Try it for free. Blast radius. Still love that. All right. Moving on to other things. Uh, beer? Mm. It is quarter past five in the afternoon. On a Saturday afternoon here, I got back from Sydney yesterday afternoon. So this was my first trip to do an in-person talk in two years. The previous one I'd done was February 2020. We all got kind of preoccupied with stuff. First trip back, uh, and I did the uh, ACS, Australian Computer Society, uh, keynote back in the Hilton in Sydney on Wednesday, which is really deja vu because I've done a lot of talks there. All the NDC talks were there, all of the NDC conferences. Charlotte used to organise were there. So we're both going back going, oh, it's, it's like same, same, but different. Uh, what other talks were done there? I've uh, done a couple of talks at Akamai there as well, I'm sure. Various, various other things. So a very familiar environment. And uh, it was strange. <laughs> it was sort of strange. Because no one's quite sure how to behave yet. I think we're all just sort of readjusting. We're like, how weird is it going to be? So, you know, we, we stayed in the hotel and Charlotte and I have come down the lift and we're like ready to go into the event. And we're like, all right, put the mask on. And we've walked in there and it's like, oh, okay, all right, no one's doing that anymore. <laughs> okay, take the mask off. And just for context, so this was Wednesday uh, for uh, New South Wales, which is the state that Sydney is in. As of yesterday, so two days after the event, they've removed the mask mandate. In most situations, it's still just things like if you're in a rideshare or an airport or a hospital, things like that, which seems seems very reasonable. Same thing will happen here in Queensland in six days from now. 
Uh, so that's that's good news because things, <coughs> excuse me, the cough right as I said that, things are settling down quite a bit. Talk in front of a light audience, audience again. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I'm looking out there and I can see people. <laughs> now, no, I've been doing so many talks like looking at you guys there and look, you've, you're wonderful and all that, but I can't actually see you. And I'm just like literally looking into a lens. So to do a conference talk where you can you can see people engage and you can see them look at you and you can see what makes them smile, what makes them cringe, to have people come up to you afterwards and want selfies again or to want to talk about things was just was just cool. It was really cool. So I I enjoyed that. But it's also travel. There's a lot of friction and a lot of expense and a lot of uh, environmental impact and all this other stuff just to deliver something which I used to walk upstairs for and turn on the camera. So I actually just replied to a conference that had invited me to the other side of the world, one that I had wanted to do for quite some time. And they've been trying to get me over, but of course things happen. And I said, look, I'm just honestly, I'm I'm just going to do very, very few events where I travel anymore um, for all sorts of good reasons all the ones I mentioned and a whole bunch of others too you know not not least of which at least when it's just in Sydney I come back and the the kids are here and I'm not gone for ages without seeing them or things like that so things are gonna things are gonna change it was fun but that's now going to be a, a much smaller part of my life than it ever was before regardless of, of travel restrictions Jordan says hey Troy hope you're staying safe with the crazy weather here at the moment yeah so for for the viewers in other parts of the world, it has been bucketing down. So we have had a huge amount of rain. I think the last 24 hours has been the the highest 24 hours of rainfall that I have seen in quite some time. Looking at my weather station on the on the roof here, uh, we are currently at uh, 74.8 millimeters worth of rain in the last 24 hours, and uh, it's just it's just been constant. Now I'll give you a bit of an example for folks who are looking at this. I've got the uh, the rain radar on my phone. If I hold the rain radar up, it looks like that. Uh, now, for people listening to the podcast later on, normally you just see like a map and you can see towns and things like that. And I hold this up and it's just like all blue and green and yellow all over the place. So there's nothing like extraordinarily intense, at least not in this part of the state and the country. In other parts, it has been pretty bad. There have been people who've lost their lives due to flood water and other terrible things like that. Often happens when we get really... Uh, heavy rains but yeah non-stop 74.8 millimeters as of now we'll see what it is by the time i get to the end of this video because the highest or, or the most uh uh intense rainfall we've had in the last 24 hours has just been in the last 10 minutes so interesting ah per is here per says good morning i think you mean good morning <laughs> instead of the other g good morning do look like you need a vacation, so you love the stage. It's a rush as long as you know how to handle the after rush. Now, that's, that's a very interesting comment here. So long as you know how to handle the after rush. Um, I was just just rereading a blog post I've had in draft for a very long time. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about what, what it is until I post it, and I, I don't quite know when that will be yet. But w- one of the things that it, it sort of touches on is, is stress. It's a personal development kind of blog post. And something I was feeling, especially about three years ago, and I had a huge amount of pressure for various reasons in my life, is 
the term that Per used just here, the, the afterrush, and, and what the afterrush would often be is, is like you, you go and I remember v- very, very specifically, like, so I remember Microsoft Ignite in Sydney in Jan, must have been Feb actually, Feb 2019, and I'd go on to the stage with an absolute jam-packed room full of people, pre-COVID, of course, just then, jam-packed, no moving space, all this sort of thing, and then loads of people coming up to you afterwards and all the selfies and excitement and everything, and there's just like this intense, I don't know if rush is the right word, but just um, intensity about the interest and the excitement, and and you're so on. And then I just remember walking out of the uh, walking out of the event and walking back to the hotel, and you're just back on the street and everything's normal. And it was, yeah, it was like an after rush. I think it's a really good term, Pip. And that was, um, it was almost like that that come down. I imagine what it would be like if you're a drug addict or something like that, and you, you're coming off the high, and as you're coming back down, it's like shit. This feels a bit flat. So that's something I've had to. I've had to really work on. One of the ways I'm working on it, incidentally, is now that Charlotte and I do so much work together, she's always there, which, which is which is lovely. So she was there uh, in Sydney, and she'll be there for every event that I do from from now on, because I don't really want to go anywhere without it. Uh, and and that makes an enormous difference because you walk out of there together, and you might sit down and have a cold one, uh, and then go to dinner or, or something nice, and it just it just saves those massive waves of highs and lows. There's a whole mental health discussion in there somewhere, and again, that's going to be part of this part of this blog post that uh, I'm working on. Richard says, "Thoughts on uh, our friends in Ukraine?" Yeah, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment because it's literally in my my running order just here. Last self ingratiating thing first. I got an award, which was really really nice. I got the uh, you know I, there's a lot of letters in the acronym here, so I'm going to make sure I, I get this right. It's the M3AAWG, which is the Messaging Malware Mobile Anti-Abuse Working Group. You got all that? Uh, Working Group Award. And this is the Mary Latinsky Award, recognizing lifetime achievement for making the internet safer, which I got for Have I Been Pwned, which is really, really cool. And this was the uh, the group's 54th general meeting. uh, And apparently... Apparently, I've done something useful, which is nice. And I, th- I think I've in the tweet thread when I shared this, I see uh, particularly lately with the COVID situation, you haven't been able to be out there, you know, last week being the exception, of course. Uh, and, it's, and it's not just myself, there are many, many other people in the same situation where you, you sit at home alone and you build stuff and you put it out there and then you hope it's useful and you hope people do something that, 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 makes their lives better or makes the internet better or hopefully all of the above and then you just kind of go okay i hope that worked well and of course you do get feedback on the twitters and things like this but there's something very different when there's like an industry body and a bunch of of peers that sort of get together and go you've done a good job with this well done mate we're going to flick you a a nice blog post and i think i'm getting like an award in, in the mail uh and that's that's nice that's very very nice that will go on the shelf over there um in the dark <laughs> if i go back a little bit things come into context it's next to all the lego so that's really cool i was just very very happy to um uh to, to see that and you know to, to be clear everything whether it's that or the microsoft mvp or rd things or any of those other bits and pieces on the shelf i don't think anyone ever sets out with like i'm going to go and get myself one of these awards or get myself an mvp it's always 
it's always a byproduct. And I think that's the way it should be. You should be out there trying to do good stuff. Uh, and then if something like this happens, you just go, yep, that's that's really awesome. That is a bonus. All right, what else in here? Oh. So congrats. Richard, thanks, mate. Um, Alan Jones, have you still got the Beer Farmers Award safe? Yes. I was, I was going to look over there and so I can literally see it, but the door to my cupboard is closed. But yes, it is there. I promise you, the bell is there. The cowbell <laughs> is there. Don't worry about that, mate. Fritz, adrenaline drops. Your body goes out of fight mode. Can make normal mode feel like map. After rush, indeed, is a good term for it. Considered adding to my vocabulary. Yeah, well, um, now I'll have to talk more about that in the future. Think more about it as well. So it's very different to when when I might do a talk to the same sort of audience, but it's it's here and it's on the camera because that the high is much flatter and then there's not like a come down afterwards. But Ukraine, let's talk about this. Now, first of all, if anyone can point me at a good documentary that explains the history of Ukraine and Russia and USSR before that and all the rest of it. Uh, I would love to watch something so that I could actually learn more about this. Um, my kids were asking about it in the, in the car yesterday because, of course, everyone knows about it. I don't really have good informed answers. If there is a documentary somewhere, I'd love to go and watch it so I could learn more about the history of what has led to the current uh, absolute shit fight, which is obviously broken out over there. Now, because I don't know enough about it, I really can't comment on all the geopolitics and things like that, other than it's clearly atrocious and it's terrible and it should not be going on. What I can comment on is something I shared today, which I think is actually much more interesting. This is a ZDNet story. Uh, and the byline here is, anonymous hacktivists, ransomware groups get involved in Ukraine, Russia. Ah, oh, it's cut it off here. <laughs> That's just on the tweet preview. Let me drill down on it. Um, while I'm drilling down, Tech Throw says, what's the beer today? This is a uh, Bolter Hazy IPA. Oh, thank you very much. Probably one of my most go-to beers at the moment. Local beer, too. There you go. That's your first time catching it live. Well, at least you've learned something useful. What beers are you drinking? <laughs> so, anonymous hacktivists, ransomware groups get involved in Ukraine-Russia conflict. Experts express concern about the influx of non-government cyber groups taking sides in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, auspiciously, and I say auspiciously because I'm just not convinced this is the true motive, but auspiciously, uh, anonymous, now we know it's anonymous because they, they've they said they're anonymous. <laughs> Let me just take them at their word. Anonymous announced on Twitter they'd be launching attacks against the Russian government. The hacktivists defaced some local government websites in Russia and temporarily took down others, including the website Russian news outlet RT. RT is a massive Russian news outlet. That is rather significant. Group claim on Friday it would leak login credentials to the Russian Ministry of Defense website. I have seen that. There are about 115 different credentials or something like that. Uh, nowhere near large enough to go into have a been pwned. It would have gone in there if it was a sizable incident. Uh, but th this just fits into the same bucket as everything else that's just way too small to justify spending hours and hours on. Uh, now, what's what seems to be happening here is a bit of a let's say, call to arms for people to proactively go out and target Russian assets through illegal online activity. Now, I'm going to start to upset people, even just by saying that. What Russia is doing is obviously atrocious and alarming and 
again, I'd still like to see and understand more of what has driven them to do this, but nothing about it looks good at all. So that aside, the, the bit that concerned me, and I, I'll give you the tweet that I sent earlier on. I said, this is all kinds of messy. Vigilante civilians getting involved in attacks against a foreign state is bound to have all sorts of unintended consequences, weird times. So what worries me is that if we end up with a situation where you've got people online from all walks of life in all parts of the world who see this as a reason to go and target what they believe are Russian entities uh, and and try to you know, ultimately cause harm to them. And I'm concerned about this on many different levels, but b- before I sort of get to it specifically, one of the things that most came to mind is going back about a decade now, it must have been about the 2012 era, when we had uh, Anonymous, the loosely coupled collective that many people associated themselves with, and particularly targeting the likes of PayPal and payment processes after they stopped accepting donations for WikiLeaks. And a bunch of people like, I'm going to join this this activism online, which is hacking, therefore it's called hacktivism. I'm going to join this group and I'm going to cause harm to these organisations that have done the wrong thing. This is activism. And then a lot of people got arrested and went to jail. Uh, which was which was much less fun. But w- what's really interesting, there's a documentary about this, and I can't recall the name of it now, but there's a documentary um, which I did actually find... You know, I'm just going to find on YouTube now. I'm going to tell everyone. And I'm trying to remember exactly what it was called. or something like um, Anonymous uh, Hacktivism. I think when I found it before, it was available to purchase on YouTube. Documentary. So I might figure this out before I actually talk about it was it oh what was it uh uh, nope that's not it well there's there's a lot of weird anonymous stuff online uh all right let me just try google search if i can't find it i'll tweet it oh here we go uh we are legion the story of hacktivists what was really fascinating about this documentary now assuming i've remembered the correct documentary because there have been more than one was that when they went back to those sort of op PayPal sort of campaigns a decade ago and they interviewed people who who subsequently got arrested for what they were doing, it would be things like young kids, like legally children, who loaded up Loic. Remember the low-orbit ion cannon? So the the run a or be part of a bigger DDoS campaign by running this on your own machine so we can send as many packets at a target. And then if you get lots of people in their own machines at home, then that contributes to the whole DDoS cannon. And you get these kids who had really no understanding of the the geopolitics of the situation, but they'd run this locally, they'd point at an IP address, and then they'd go to school. You know, and there were literally people going to school. I think some of them were old enough to be like be going to college in the US, but they were young teenagers or early twenties, people who got caught up in the excitement of this and had very little idea about what they were actually doing, but it was opportunistic. And they were like, yeah, yeah, let's just jump in on this thing. And when they got interviewed later on, they're like, well, look, we just thought it seemed like a good idea at the time. We took part in it. We never really gave it much thought. And this is what kind of worries me. I'll give you a – I'll read a Swift on Security tweet, all right? So if you don't follow Swift on Security, she or he or whoever is behind this account is enormously insightful. And there's a tweet here that I have right up the front of my workshop, and I've had it here for years and years and years, so it's an old one. Here's the tweet. It says – Hacktivism, and there's three steps. Number one, scan internet for vulnerabilities. Number two, exploit vulnerabilities. Number three, make up reason they deserved it. 
And it's like, it's kind of funny, but it's so often true. And when you watch this documentary and you see just how little endorsement so many of the people who went online and started causing criminal damage to organizations, regardless of how you feel about WikiLeaks and PayPal and all the rest of it, it's still an illegal act. How little endorsement they had in it. That's that's what I found really fascinating. And this is what worries me a little bit with, with this Ukraine situation. So if we have folks from all around the world who watch the news and see the Russian tanks invading and are horrified by it, as we all are, and they're like, that's it, I'm going to my bedroom and I'm going to fire up Loic or whatever the modern equivalent of that is or somehow get involved in activities against another nation state, that worries me a lot. And I, I saw some people in the tweet sort of say, well, look, this is really no different to civilians in Ukraine picking up arms and defending their country. Yes, it is different. Here's why it's different. I think about my son. Like, he's he's going to be a teenager later this year. Now, I think he's a pretty smart kid. I know we all think our kids are smart, but I think he's a pretty smart kid and he wouldn't do this. But what's to stop him or someone like him, maybe not while he's 12, but what about when he's 14 or 15? from just thinking that this sounds like a good idea. And before you know it, you're well and truly violating CFAA and it's it's all sorts of other trouble. There's a big difference between you're, you're on the coalface picking up a weapon to defend your country to you are someone with a passing interest on the other side of the world seizing an opportunity to get involved in something that you don't understand. I hope that makes sense. But that's what worries me. And and when I said unintended consequences, I think we might see a lot of unintended consequences out of this. We might see people think they're targeting Russian assets, and they're not. They're targeting a U.S. US asset, and now they're, again, all sorts of wrong with CFAA, uh, which is very problematic. They might be causing genuine damage to very innocent parties, parties that might not be in Russia. There might be parties in Russia that are very innocent in this as well. It's, It's one thing to have a a psychopathic dictator it's another thing to have a whole bunch of little businesses that are probably going to start to suffer terribly uh, in that part of the world now because of things like sanctions i just think it's a very 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 messy space and this idea of like let's pick up our arms and go to our computers in our bedrooms and start hacking away at this it just really really does not feel good let's see what happens with that all right comments big pod I know there's a documentary. Most of my knowledge from history and geography classes from school. Um, Spent a few years learning about that region. Richard thinks Putin had dementia. He's lost his marbles. He's a very powerful guy to have dementia. And inevitably, he's got a lot of... Like, it it can't ever just be one guy, right? There has to be other people supporting his position on this. Fritz, this would sort of explain the paranoid behaviour with the 20-metre tables... Oh, yeah, because he did that interview with someone, didn't he? Or that meeting. Uh, okay, C. Morgan says, The World in One News, W-I-O-N, has a good summary of Ukrainian-Russian history if you're looking to jumpstart your knowledge. Yeah, I'm going to Google that, actually. That'd, that'd be really good. What I um, what I do vaguely, vaguely know is you've got about a thousand years' worth of uh, territorial disputes, <laughs> which is... Which is probably a polite way of putting it. I mean, I guess these things are not, are never really just simple, are they? 
Um, but I would like to understand. I'd like to understand more about that because it's very, very topical. If I look at Russia-Ukraine on that topic, uh, Russia-Ukraine, oh, of course, you search anything Russia-Ukraine at the moment, you find a lot of other stuff. Uh, C. Morgan, if you, if you can find a link to that and drop it in, that would be absolutely awesome. Fritz says, uh, TOS is not only insightful, but also extremely funny to read. I assume this is terms of service of, uh, hmm, okay, SOS, not TOS. All right, I should read ahead first. Purse says, on the thing Putin, uh, on the one, on the thing of Putin, someone very old told me he acts like an older German leader. Be careful. That's, okay, Um uh, Change the subject. That's a good idea. Mohammed, do you have an update on the multicolor filament add-on for your preset? Sure. I'm happy to tell you about that. It is a love-hate relationship. I think I got reasonably good at the single filament model the original printer did. And the MMU adds a lot of complexity. It's cool. Like, it's really, really cool. But there's a lot more stuff that can go wrong. Uh, so... I played around with it a bunch. The kids uh, in particular would jump into, I think it was Prusa Slicer 2.4, got really good MMU support where you could go through a model and you could colour things, different colours, and they actually produced that with up to five different filaments. I did loads and loads of tweaking around everything from the tension on idler doors to the diameter of the PTFE tubing, how much tubing I had. I ended up getting rid of a lot of tubing and just putting tubing where corners and things were to try and reduce friction. They're just all these other things that can now go wrong. The last couple of prints I did, I had uh, I had sometimes uh, 2,000 plus tool changes without any failures, which was really, really good. Unfortunately, one of them had like a layer shift partway through it. Uh, for those of you not in the 3D printing world, imagine that uh, you, you've got sort of uh, X and Y axes like this. Uh, if at some point in time when you're moving, particularly seems to happen on the Y axis, so the whole bed is moving backwards, but it could touch something or the bench gets bumped or something like that, and the layer that it's printing might be like half a millimetre off from the other layers, and it's just enough to see a line all around the, around the model, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, I actually haven't printed anything for a couple of weeks now, partly because I was away, and then partly because I've been looking for other stuff. But I, I, was, I was sort of like, what am I doing? <laughs> why, am I, why am I just going out there looking for stuff to print as opposed to just doing other things I need to do in my life? It's cool. I'm glad I've done it. I'm very tempted for an XL. Uh, so the XL is the the new presser that's going to be coming out. It seems like probably six months-ish from now. It has multicolor support built into it. As the name suggests, it is a much larger printer. It is also a more expensive printer, but I think just having multicolor support as a native, uh, a native feature, I would expect, is going to be more reliable. I don't think I'm going to pre-order it. I'll wait until people get it. We'll see what the feedback is like, and then maybe I'll do that. Uh, per totally side note, is that a hazy IPA homemade? No, it's not. I haven't homemade beer for, I would say, almost 20 years because I got sick of cleaning bottles and screwing stuff up and I realized it was easier to buy it. And it's it almost falls back into, to some extent, the whole 3D printer thing where it's like, it seems like fun, but it's a lot of mucking around. All right, let me talk about something different blog post this week now this this just sort of came out of the blue i had not planned this at all and then it just seemed like a good idea at the time blog post title i want to go fast how many pwned password queries can you make per second now here's the backstory on this 
So, pound passwords is popular. About 1.3 billion requests a month. I wonder what it's up to now. I could go to Cloudflare, but then I have to 2FA and get my token out. And there's a lot of mucking around. Let's say 1.3 billion plus queries a month for the API. K anonymity API, first five characters of a SHA-1 hash. Each one of those five positions is hexadecimal, therefore 16 to the power of five different possibilities. Just over 1 million possible unique queries you can make for every single imaginable password. And what I was interested in, I was having a chat to, a, let's just say another party wanting to query the service. And they said, look, we're, um, we're querying this. We just... The, the throughput isn't great. We're, we're not able to actually make as many requests as, as what we need to be able to do to, to parse through the list that we have. And I thought, all right, this sounds like a good challenge. Let's go with Ricky Bobby on this. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll want to go fast. So I had a chat to Steph, and I was like, what if we, what if we just stand up a repo? We'll make a public repo. So, so Stefan is uh, my mate from Iceland, who is uh, chief pwn password wrangler, looks after all the PRs and things in the open source repository there. Does an amazing job. So, you know, what if we stand up a repo where people can start putting their own code to query the API as fast as possible? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think I could do a really good job. Well, he could do a really good job of that with C Sharp. So he actually stood up a repo where he's, uh, or rather he stood up a project in the repo for C Sharp where he is able to process this at uh, what he's done here is just over 3,000 passwords per second uh, when he's actually querying over the wire. Now, re remember Multiple different passwords will have the same five-character SHA-1 hash prefix, which means that you can effectively query multiple passwords with one hit across the wire. Once he actually pulls that cache in locally as well, so he, he has got a model in here. I haven't even looked at the code yet, but I imagine what he's doing is he's saving this locally somewhere on the file system. Uh, he can then query up to about 23,000 passwords a second, which I think sounds pretty good. But the goal is what we'd like other people to do. In fact, we'll go and have a look on GitHub, see if there's any any other PRs here that have come through. But what we'd actually like people to do is build out pwned passwords consumers in other languages. So the party that was asking about how fast they can go, uh, I'm not actually sure what programming language they were using. And I, I, I effectively replied to them very politely but said, I, I don't think it's me. I think it's you. <laughs> like I, I think your code is just suboptimal. I would like there to be implementations like this written in, uh, we've always got C Sharp there already. I'd love to see someone do it in PHP. I'd love to see someone do it in Node. I'd love to see someone do it in Python. Uh, whatever your language of choice is, probably a whole bunch of stuff I haven't thought of. Someone the other day said they'd like to do it in Rust. Uh, fantastic. Do it in these things. There's literally a folder called C Sharp. Go and make a folder for something else, wacky coding, submit a PR, because I would like anyone who wants to be able to query a bunch of passwords to be able to pull open source code in their favorite language of choice, because then they can integrate it into their environment and they can read it and understand it without having to learn what this C Sharp thing is or this Python thing is or whatever else it may be. I just think that's a really, really cool idea. And a lot of people seem enthusiastic about it. Looking at it now, we've only got the one... Uh, the one language there so far, it's just Stefan's work. So get to work, folks. Okay, go and write some code for this. K 
Can you be faster than C Sharp? I did actually see someone say that they'd done it in, so Stefan's done everything in .NET 6. Someone had done it in .NET 7, like pre-release alpha version 1, <laughs> some pre-release thing, and gone quite a bit faster. Great, like, that's fantastic. Let's just keep pushing the envelope with this. Uh, all right. I think I threw all the comments. That was easy. Um, that's good. Now, let me uh, let me just see if I can talk about this. <laughs> let me look at my Instagram feed. <laughs> I can figure it out. There's uh, I got a lot on my mind at the moment. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> so because I'm not sure, I'll talk about that probably next week. So I think that's it for, for this week. Uh, coming from Brandon, ironically, I learned how to fork bomb myself in Python 3 this week. Lol, good on you. <laughs> nice work. Um, that's going to be it for this week. I, I am back at home now, certainly for uh, the rest of this month, I think all of next month. Not so much April. More stuff on the pipeline there. So I'll get to keep doing this from the office. So I think my next task here in the office, uh, I want to actually, you can just see the corners of a white desk here. The plan is to get a new desk for the first time and it must be nearly 15 years. It sort of blends in. I've also got to get, um, I've got to get this acoustic paneling fixed. It's not right yet. It's there. It looks kind of cool, but it's flawed and they're fixing it. So I just don't want to share it until they fix it and it's right. Uh, but it is doing its job it's actually just on the wall at the moment it's meant to be on the wall in front of me and on the ceiling it's just on the wall but even then just everything in the room is like it's it's felt flatter and quieter which means i can hear all the fans on my pc <laughs> so i think my next job is i've got to go through and replace these fans on the pc with nocturne or something like super super quiet because as soon as i don't say anything you just hear that background hum. You won't hear it through the mic. You shouldn't hear it through the mic because it's a pretty decent mic that blocks that out. But I hear it with my ears when I'm sitting here in otherwise beautiful silence. Thanks for watching this week. I'll come back to you from the same spot next week. Maybe it will be a little bit quieter. I'm not so sure. Uh, and if, look, if anyone wants me to talk about anything particularly interesting as well, please let me know in advance. Send me a tweet or an email or something like that.